This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. It's like a holiday already feels far, far away in the past. Praise God. January is almost, almost finished. Can you believe it? Going for it. Anyway, so we had a wonderful uh, planted training morning yesterday, and um, I'm just really excited about what God is doing in our midst. So uh, I've been in the ministry since 2002, started as a youth pastor, and then later on I was a student pastor, then I uh, managed our media department in Cape Town, and about 11 years ago we came to East London. And so I've been at different congregations uh, shofar congregation since coming to Christ in 1996, and it's always been, you know, for me and Sonica, from the start, we loved church, you know, the real deal, you know, not, not a place of dead religion, but the, you know, the place where, where, Sonic, where Sonic and I, as uh, students, you know, encountered Christ, so we loved church, you know, but as you go through the years, you... You see when church doesn't work so lacquer. Now, who's seen church that doesn't work so lacquer at times? I'm sure we all have. You know, sometimes it, it, it doesn't go as you would like it to go. You know, but I've, I've, been, I've been carrying this dream in my heart. Like, God, how can we do church better? Lord, how can we do church in a way that will truly bring glory to Jesus? That's sort of been my, my, my wrestling over the years, and I've been like, and I'm looking at what other guys do, and I've experienced how we've done it in the past, you know, even before we came to East London. And, and, and there were just times like, I, God, there must be a better way. And so I've been, I've been asking that question, and I've been seeking God's face, and we're still on a journey. I don't think we have all the answers, but I, I believe I found part of the answer that I want to share with you today. So these two Sundays, last Sunday and today, we're talking Vision Sunday. So we're going to basically answer this question. Why? Why do we do what we do? Why, why, why this church? And, 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 and what is our ministry blueprint? What is, how do we do ministry? And why do we do it like that? So I want to take you a bit of a journey and share a few stories of uh, discovery and uh, how we've learned over the years. And uh, I'm trusting that you're going you're gonna to see a bit of what I'm seeing and, and, and of where we are going. So uh, we were in Brazil in 2016, and uh, I remember just getting onto the stage. We we're doing like a revival conference, a whole week revival conference, and God was moving powerfully. I mean, it was like I have never seen before. Um, many people coming to Christ, 400 people physically healed, about 400 that we could count. Um, people encountering the power of God, being set free from evil in their lives and torment in their lives. I mean, it was just, it was incredible to, to, to see deaf ears open up and people getting up out of wheelchairs. And it was, it was nothing fake. It was God moving. But I remember as we, as the one evening we were ministering, I, as I was walking, as the worship's been happening, there are thousands of people. And I was, as I got up onto stage, I, I felt the Lord say to me, Andre, make my bride beautiful. Make my bride beautiful. 
You know, and, and, and I've been carrying that with me about God, how can we make the church of Jesus Christ beautiful? Because that's this journey I've been on, that surely the bride of Christ must be more than so many of us have experienced at times in terms of dead religion and people just getting hurt and, 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 and not being what I believe Jesus wants it to be. And, and, and so I've been carrying that word in my heart, Lord, make my bride beautiful. And so, so that's part of our mission. You know, what's happening here, it's more than just a church here in East London. It's about a church influencing the church in the wider body of Christ. The 60 churches of Shofar and beyond. I said it yesterday as well to some of the guys. You know, the Lord has said to me, Andre, your flock isn't just um, Shofar East London. It's not just the 60 churches of Shofar. It is the wider body of Christ. And that's the word that I'm carrying in my heart as we are pursuing the keys to how to do church better. To do church in a way that glorifies the name of Jesus. A church without hypocrisy. A church that's real. A church that truly loves God and loves people. And so that's the journey that we are on. And I want to share a bit about that this morning. But I believe that the bride of Christ can and should be beautiful. And so last year, um, we were at a Convergence Conference, Shofar Conference in, in the Cape Town area. And this, the one of the, um, he's the dean of Regent University in, in the United States. Now, now Regent University, they, they are influencing the, the worldwide body of Christ. They are, I mean, Reinhard Bonnke called in this dean, uh, Dr. Corney Becker called him in, basically. Um, now, Reinhard Bonnke, for those who don't know, he's um, in his, through his ministry that led about 80 million people to Christ, decision cards for Christ, 80 million all over Africa and the rest of the world. I mean, he is like, they say he's the man that has preached to more people face-to-face than any other human being in the history of the world. And so Reinhard Bonnke calls this guy, Corney Becker, who's a South African, who's now the dean at Regent University and the speaker at our Convergence Conference. And he, and he called him um, to come and see him. He just got a, his assistant phone and said, Reinhard wants to see you Wednesday morning this time. So Corne was, well, if Reinhard calls you, you go. So he went. And, uh, and I remember him, or he said, he shared this with us, that he walked into the boardroom and he sat down. And then after a while, Reinhard walks in. His board members walked in without saying much. And the next moment, they all just started to cry. They just wept. Reinhardt was just weeping. And Cornet's like, okay, cry about something. Cry about something. Try find something to cry about. Because he's not a crier. <laughs> and after about 20 minutes of this or so, um, Reinhardt spoke. And he said, basically... That the Holy Spirit is the most important aspect for the church and for ministry. And he says, why does this generation think that they can do church or ministry without the Holy Spirit? And then Cornet said he cried for the next three days. (laughs) As the presence and the power of God touched him. Man, and I was so touched when he shared this, and I, 
as Cornet was sharing this in, at Shofar Wellington, I was just, I was right through the service, I was just crying with the presence of God. I just felt the Lord just speaking to me, you know. And it connects with make my bride beautiful. You see, if the Holy Spirit isn't, isn't present, it's not beautiful. Because God's not in the house. And so I went to Cornet and I was just, I was already crying. I was like, Cornet, please pray for me, you know. Um, I just really feel that you must pray for me. And he prayed for me and he prophesied over me and he, and he said, Andre, the Lord has called you to help the church of Jesus Christ to breathe again. The church of Jesus Christ has pneumonia. The, lung has, the lungs have, been, have fallen flat. They don't know how to breathe anymore. And the Lord has called you to help the bride of Christ to breathe again. I was crying like, yes. That's awesome. That's confirmation of so many things the Lord already speaking to me. And this connects with what I've been saying the last two Sundays, talking about what is the vision of the church, this church? What is the focus of this year? The Lord said to me, this year is the year of my presence. I would say it's the decade of the Lord's presence. Everything changes when God is present. And... And I said last week about what is the vision of Shofar East London? The vision is Christ. The fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ in the house, in our homes, and in our hearts. That is the vision. This is what we are about. We want God in the house and in our homes and in our hearts. The fullness of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit tangibly present. Moving us, changing us, ultimately so that the kingdom of God can come. So you, 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 you need to see this. You need to see this. You know, so when we came to East London 10, 11 years ago, you know, I, I had no cooking clue about which way to go. You know, but when, when, we, when we came to East London, um, you know, I've been at different shofar churches. And when I was a youth pastor, there was a season, you know, and, and, and our churches come out of an era, the 80s and 90s, the leadership of that era. There's a whole lot of churches in South Africa that the leadership comes out of that era, the 80s and the 90s. And there was a certain way of doing church. And uh, it was very much vision driven. And it was like gunning and it was big churches and and, uh, and, and all of that. But there was a, they, they were lacking in certain areas. And I want to touch on that this morning. And one of the areas for me is when I was a youth pastor, I worked seven days a week. Because it's for Jesus, and you don't rest, and you just go. And I remember the one time Sonica went to the one pastor who was like a pastor, pastor. He's pastoral. When you're around him, you want to cry. That's how it works. He looks into your eyes. You just know he loves you. Love you. Feel the love of God, and you want to cry. And so, so one of those pause, and Sonica broke down, saying, "I'm not seeing my husband." But that's how we did church 20 years ago. That's how we in Shofar did church. I remember we actually had a meeting the one time, like a. A bunch of, of the leadership got together, and I was just youth pastor. I just sat in, and it was a discussion on why are our marriages battling. And the conclusion was, well, maybe we need to have at least one day a week together with our family. And not just work the whole time. 
Because that's sort of how ministry was done. And then we were at another church um, after we were in Stellenbosch. We were at Tigerberg. And, and uh, I remember there, it was very pastoral, the same leader that Sonica spoke to. He was the, the leader there, wonderful man of God and uh, pastor, pastor. And so I was in Stellenbosch and I was part of this uh, culture, this church culture is like, go, 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 do, 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 get people saved. The kingdom is coming. You're always just running. You don't even have time to spend time with Jesus because you're just going. <laughs> and it's for Jesus, so it's worth it, you know. And so, and, 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 and the people were burning out and the staff weren't treated very well, you know, because we vision. There's a vision. We're gunning it. And so we moved into this other church where there's really pastoral, you know, so the, the founder of Shofar, he was a, a visionary, apostolic, pioneer, man of faith. I mean, it was beautiful, but it was lacking a few things. And then we went to this other church where this pastor was at, and he's a pastor, pastor, and loved it. Man, you feel so loved, and you feel warm, and you feel like Jesus loves me, but not much happened. People weren't coming to Christ. There wasn't much faith in the house. It was just, we were just going through the motions. I was working so hard. The church wasn't growing and there wasn't much happening. I was so frustrated. You know, and then I moved to another, back to Stellenbosch area, head office. We're there for a few years. And then we had the opportunity to come here. And I told Sonica, we're going to do it different. <laughs> no, I'm not going to run around like a crazy headless chicken at the expense of my family and my marriage. And our kids or our son. No, I'm not going to be in the flesh and just be busy because that's what you do for Jesus. No. We, we want to do it right. We want to do church in a way where the people flourish. Our marriages flourish. Our families flourish. And the kingdom of God comes. Do you think that's possible? I believe that's possible. And that's what we're aiming at. And I want to share with you Sort of the model for that. It's connected to the fivefold ministry. And I shared a bit about it last week. Um, but you know what God is doing here currently is beautiful. So, so I'm, I'm heading up uh, the, the encounters for the ch- Shofar Church and we're redoing everything uh, the way we're doing it here. So we had life encounter uh, last year, end of last year. And so Shofar Wellington sent a whole team, like 10 of them or so, came here to attend encounter one. Some of you battled to drive all the way from Beacon Bay <laughs> to attend Encounter One. They drive from Cape Town, 1,000 kilometers, to come and receive what God is doing here. I first apologized, like, are you sure? It's just like Encounter One. I said, no, they want to come. They want to experience it. You know the feedback? This team, their lives were radically transformed. They encountered Jesus at our encounter one. Can you imagine that? Life encounter. You know, it's like, it's like we don't even know what God is doing here. And then more and more other churches all across the country saying, man, we need to come and see what God is doing. We are hearing all the good that God is doing in your midst. You know, the lady that spoke at the ladies' retreat, um, she shared with me or with us, she, she said, she, I mean, she was the speaker, but she came to the ladies' retreat, and she said her life is transformed after attending our ladies' retreats. She said it was as profound 
as when she, dro- she flew all the way to Reading, California, Bethel Church a few years ago. There was on the same level of life change as when she flew like 10,000 kilometers to a pioneering church, the pioneering church in our world currently, the most influential church in the world, I believe, Bethel Church, despite all the negatives. They are of God. You know, but so, so someone comes here and they encounter God in such a beautiful way. They say, guys, there's something here. There's something here. God is with you. I want to say to you this morning, God is with us. But sometimes we think like when it's the preacher from America, then that must be anointed. You know? No. God is with us. So what is the vision? The vision is Christ in the house. We want Him. Because what the heck are we doing if He's not here? That's why we worship like we worship this morning. It's like, God, we want You. We want You. Christ in the house, in our homes, and in our hearts. So that's the vision. But what is the mission? Yes, make the bride of Christ beautiful. But, you know, we've officially said this is our mission. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. Now, let me, let me simplify it a little bit for us. To, this, to summarize, the mission for us as a church is this. We want to overflow Christ. We want to be so full of Jesus, so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of God's love and faith and God's goodness that we can't help ourselves. We just want to go tell the world. We can't help ourselves. We just want to go love on somebody. We can't help ourselves. We just want to pour the goodness of Jesus into others. Imagine that. Imagine being so full of God that when people meet you, they see Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine they get a glimpse of Christ. No, you're not Jesus. No, we're not God. I'm talking about a glimpse of Christ through us as we become more like Jesus. So that, I believe, is the mission. That you and I would be so full of God, His goodness, His love, His life, that we would overflow His love and life to others. Amen. Come on, dream with me for a moment. Because there is that place, that space in God that you actually, you're so overwhelmed with who He is that the kingdom comes through you. Because you're not focused on other things. So come, I want to invite you into it. So how do we overflow Christ? I want to basically answer this this morning. How do you and I begin to overflow Christ? Let's look at this. John 7, 37. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive. And we pray, God, as the word is ministered this morning, that you would speak and that you would quicken us. You would open our eyes and our ears to hear, to see what you are seeing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so John 7, 37, it says here, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, imagine Jesus proclaimed, proclamation at this feast. Guys, if anyone thirsts, come and drink. Come and drink. And that's the starting point. It's like God, the vision is Christ. We want God. We want you. We come. We desire you. 
We are passionate about you. We are thirsty for you. God, we come to drink of you. And then verse 38, he says, he who believes in me. Come on, say believe. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That sounds like overflow, doesn't it? Overflow. It doesn't say he who has a PhD in theology, he will have rivers of living water. There's possibly a good chance it's not going to work with a PhD. (laughs) Some do, but some don't. We sometimes educate ourselves into unbelief. Real education will, uh, will unlock faith, not kill our faith. Amen? As many have said, a little bit of science pulls you away from God. A lot of science brings you back. Because the evidence is everywhere. Amen? So he who believes, it says, he who believes in me. Rivers. Come on, say rivers. Rivers of living waters will flow forth from his inner being. And I believe this is, if we could, you know, Jesus speaks in, or in the book of Revelation, speaks of this river that flows from the throne of God. It's the river of the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel, the prophet sees a river flowing from the throne of God. So it's Old Testament, it's in Revelation. I believe there are these, not just one river, because there's rivers. This river is the anointing, the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Spirit of Christ, that there are five flavors or five anointings. There's probably more, but at least five. Apostolic river, prophetic river, pastoral river, teaching river, and evangelistic river. So you can maybe just put on my, the mountain image there. The fivefold ministry mountain. Okay, so Ephesians 4, as I said last week, speaks about the fivefold ministry. It says the impact of the fivefold ministry is that we, the bride of Christ, will be united We'll come to the knowledge of Christ, and we'll ultimately come to the fullness of Christ. Now, that's a beautiful bride. When a bride looks like Jesus, she's beautiful. And so, this is our model for ministry. The Lord spoke to me about this, that we need to implement these five-fold rivers or anointings. We need to create an environment where the prophetic river can flow and a culture where a pastoral river can flow, a culture where an apostolic river can flow, a culture, a container, a way of thinking, a way of living, so that we would become vessels where the river of life will flow. In other words, if there's a a prophetic river flowing, the anointing, the prophet is like deeper in the river and the prophet then comes and proclaims, guys, Come deeper. Church, come into the prophetic anointing. Because when you receive the prophetic anointing, you're going to hear the the voice of God. See, this is how it works. If you get exposure to a prophet, a true prophet, not a fake prophet, true prophet, you're going to become more prophetic. You're going to think more like a prophet. You're going to receive an anointing from that prophet. You will become more prophetic. You receive an impartation. And so Jesus said that these fivefold ministry, they are gifts to the body of Christ. There are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists who are giftings or gifts or blessings to the bride of Christ. And when we receive them, we receive a prophet, in the name of a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. If we honor them with what they are carrying, we receive part of that anointing on our lives. So some years ago, we, we, we felt the Holy Spirit, laid, this is probably what, 2012? We felt the Holy Spirit, the Lord laid this in our heart that we must build out the prophetic. So we 
got a video curriculum by a prophetic guy called Chris Vallotton. And he takes you through prophecy. So we got like a whole bunch of the church people together and we had a whole lot of meetings and we're like, Lord, we'd like to hear your voice better. <laughs> that was good fun. We were just stepping out. We didn't have a cooking clue what we're doing, but it was awesome. And in the process, I experienced an upgrade in the prophetic anointing. I began to hear the voice of God like I've never heard the voice of God. I started to prophesy over preachers and pastors and leaders of churches, and it would happen because I received an anointing. If you step into the prophetic river, you will become prophetic. That anointing will flow through you. Rivers of living waters will flow through you. Amen. In the same way, when you receive from a pastor, pastor, you know, then you receive a pastoral anointing, a deep love for people. And it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. You know, so, so, you, so, so we want to build a culture in our church where all five of them. So I was sitting with the, and you know, as you go to the top, the fullness of Christ at the top, that's where the glory is, right at the top. Now what sometimes happens is, in the bride of Christ, people tend to, um, pastors, preachers, most churches tend to only embrace two or maybe three of the fivefold. Unbalanced. It's not what it can be. It's not the fullness of Christ. It's only a part of. And so what happens also is, you know, you've got a preacher maybe that is very pastoral and then just pastoral people are drawn to him. Or a preacher that's a teacher, man's word, 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 verse by verse, verse by verse, verse by verse. And then all the verse by verse people, they're there. Because that's how you must do it, verse by verse. Jesus didn't do it by verse by verse. But anyway. Um, but, but each one builds a little box. Like this is how it is. No, it's not. There's no more. There's the other fivefold ministry. I shared last week, I think, uh, Table Mountain in Cape Town. Most fivefold ministers, preachers, tend to stand at the mountain, in front of the mountain. They see the one side and they're like, this is how. Now the mountain is God. This is the right perspective. And the only perspective... And if you do not see what I see, you see something else, you are a heretic. We will kill you. We will stone you. No, if it's from the scriptures and it's from a true fivefold minister with good fruit in their, in their lives, then there's a different perspective. So you stand around Table Mountain, the prophet sees one angle. The evangelist sees another angle. The teacher sees another angle. The pastor sees another angle. Each one sees a different angle and they have a different anointing on their lives and they're helping the bride of Christ to become beautiful. Don't do little boxes. <laughs> Make it bigger. See bigger. So I was sitting with a pastor, a friend of mine, and we had a video call and uh, there were some issues in the church because he was just gunning. He was like going for the supernatural and the power of God and everything. And there were relational, there were issues in this church. It's like it was the, the pastoral side of things weren't being built out. So I told him, as we were praying, I saw a picture of this mountain in my mind's eye, like a vision from the Lord. And I felt the Lord say to me, go around the mountain, not just straight. See, what happens is if you want the glory of God, maybe, maybe you know, you, there's a bunch of people that are really deep, they prof, prophetic, prophets and prophetic. You know, they can go deep. Now, if you've met prophets, they can go deep sometimes, you know. Now, what happens is that they think this is the only way. And then they, they go gun straight for the top of the mountain. We, we're climbing straight. No one else can follow. 
It's the five of them. They're deep. The rest are like, what's wrong with these people? We don't understand them, you know. And they're gunning straight for the glory. But no one's coming along. Because they're not engaging with a fivefold ministry. They're not communicating in a way that it is accessible to the rest of the church. And the Lord said to me, go around the mountain. In other words, we preach through the fivefold ministry cultures every year. You don't even know this, but this is what we do. We tackle the pastoral culture, and then we tackle the evangelistic culture, the teaching culture, prophetic culture, apostolic culture. And we try to build out those cultures every year so that together we can go further. Together we can move deeper or further into God. And so maybe your passion is, you know, the pastoral. You just want people to be loved. Just love people. Just, just, just let, let the sheep eat grass. That's just, they must just, just be safe. You know? And then the apostolic guy's like, sheepies, let's go up the mountain. And the pastor's like, no, it's too fast, man. It's too much. It's too much. And the, and the apostolic visionary guy's like, but I'm seeing something. The kingdom is coming, you know? And so there's tension between the, Fivefold ministry. And what the Lord has taught me is, is to, to embrace each one. For instance, Sonica is extremely strong in the pastoral. I joke with her, I say she's an undercover apostle, but she looks very pastoral. <laughs> but but what, what I've learned is, is we need to value the, the, the different giftings and people around us. And we need to value the different leaders and people in the wider body of Christ. So I'm a, you, you, you need to learn to see what is on somebody's life. What happens normally is like the teacher guy, he's like, man, I just want, I, I, I just want, I just listen to teachers who go verse by verse, you know, and they miss out on the rest. Okay, so the fivefold ministry mountain, and uh, so I want to then, simplify it now for you. Now, now, one step further, if you take it to the next image where they combine us. So what we've looked at is how do we simplify the fivefold ministry in a way so that you and I can live it? So this is our core values. D-N-A. D-N-A. The D stands for the divine presence. So basically, it's taking the teaching culture and the prophetic culture and combining them Combining them. In other words, the Word and the fullness of the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit together, will, the, the divine truth leads us into the divine praise. Let me, let me take you to a verse. Acts 6, verse 3 to 4. So I'm answering the question, how can you and I overflow the fullness of Christ? Number one is, build your life around the presence of God. The divine presence. Acts 6, 3, verse, verse 3 to 4. It says, Therefore, brethren... Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Now, they were looking for a bunch of guys, they're apostles. They were looking for a bunch of guys to do community service work. It's like feeding the widows. Normally, how would you look for someone like that? Someone that loves them, yes. These guys were like, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. In other words, they're not fake, not hypocrites, they're the real deal. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Come on, say full. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the apostles are saying, guys, 
we, we, whenever anybody does something, they must be full of the Holy Spirit. But we, we will pray and we will be in the Word. Because they say we build our lives around the presence of God. How? Through prayer, through worship, and through the Word of God. So for us as a church, if we want to build out the fivefold ministry cultures, we need to embrace this value. Through the Word, through the Word and through worship and prayer, we position ourselves in the presence of God. That's our passion. That's why we worship like we did this morning. We want to be in the presence of God, full of the Holy Spirit. Then a little bit later, Acts 7 verse 51, this is Stephen, one of the seven that was chosen. He was the first martyr. And it says there, it was uh, first explained to all the religious leaders, the Pharisees, a bit of history, and then he offended them. Then he said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now, is that for good preaching? You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. So, why I'm reading that is to say, there will always be people that don't see it. There will be always be people that will resist the things of the Spirit. And that could be you, that could be me as well. We see this in church history, that God moves, He raises up a church group, or a church family, or a denomination, it was of the Holy Spirit. Over time, they tend to lean into structures and all the other stuff, and they move away from the things of the Spirit, and they die. That could happen to us as well. If we don't pursue the presence of God, the divine presence of God with everything within us. So in around 2012, giving you some backstory for how we are where we are today. So there was uh, two of our leaders here in church. They started to visit another church in town. And they basically communicated to me, Andre, there's more of God there than here. Ouch. I was offended. Man, I was offended. I mean, leaders, not just anybody, leaders. Basically, communicate there's more of God there than you. So I was really battling with this, and I was just about to start bad-mouthing this other church. I was starting to find fault with what they're doing, because there's some out-of-the-box manifestations of the Holy Spirit there. Some people said it wasn't the Holy Spirit, so anyway, who knows, yeah? And uh, so I was wrestling through this, and so luckily I took it to God in prayer. So I said, Lord, what is this? What, what is it about this church and what is it about these people? And, 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 you know, what is it? And then the Lord spoke to me. He said to me, Andre, either you humble yourself and you receive what's on this other church, or you remain proud and you receive nothing. Ouch. That's double ouch. <laughs> and so I humbled myself. And I went there, and, I, and, and God mightily impacted me. But I had to humble myself and say, God, I'm seeing something. I'm not necessarily going to do church like they do. I'm not embracing their model of church or how they do church. But they had something of the fivefold ministry on them, and I received that aspect of it, an impartation of that on my life that equipped me to go into another level. I mean, I remember going to the church there, and they were just sharing stories of miracles that just happened, and this miracle, that miracle. I was so intimidated, because I don't have such stories. I'm not seeing people getting healed. I'm not seeing the kingdom of God coming, you know? Nice church, but it's not like that. It was like a, a few years that I felt so intimidated around people like that, who just can 
share stories of miracles. Now I have hundreds of stories. I'm probably intimidating other people now, unfortunately. But you know, the, the key was I had to humble myself. And it feels like the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, we're so divided because we, we, we throw stones first because we don't understand it. Or we're afraid, you know, and when fear, there, where there's fear, then we start throwing stones and things. And, and I see a church, I see us as a humble people, a non-judgmental, non-critical people. Doesn't mean we don't have discernment. Doesn't mean that some stuff are not of God. Not saying that. We have discernment. But I'm saying a people that are gracious and humble and kind to other churches and other people and, and leaders. So Acts 7 55 with Stephen says it, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. You know, he was in a meeting with a bunch of Pharisees. None of them saw anything. They didn't see. They didn't know. And he said, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the, at the right hand of God. I'm seeing it. You know, and I believe there's a place when you and I, when, when we, begin, we, we will begin to overflow the fullness of Christ when we are seeing Jesus and we are experiencing the fullness of God. And we're like, man, you need to see what I'm seeing. Man, you need to experience what I am experiencing. He is beautiful. He is beautiful. You know, when, 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 when that begins to overflow, then we will impact the lives of people. So that's the first core value, the D. Divine presence goes to be the divine truth, but the divine truth leads us into the divine presence. We love the Word of God, and we love the presence of God. Then secondly, the end, I'm going to go quicker here, nurture relationships. Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3. It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. So some people say that this proves that uh, Paul was actually married. He was a prisoner for serving the Lord. I'm kidding. That's a bad marriage, okay? If you feel like a prisoner, it's a bad marriage. <laughs> Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I couldn't help myself, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. He said, I beg you guys, lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. And it says, verse 2, always be humble. Come on, say always. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. So, you know, it speaks about humility. It speaks basically about live a life worthy of your call. And now connected with nurturing relationships, it, it basically says this. We have no legitimacy in the eyes of the world if our marriages fail. We have no legitimacy, the message, the message of Christ, this that we are preaching on a Sunday. If my relationship with my wife is terrible and my son hates church, something's wrong. <laughs> We're not nurturing relationships. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I often say this, but 
doesn't matter how much success we achieve outside of the home, if the marriage, if the family isn't working, nothing outside can make up for what's lost or, or, or not happening at home. So one of our core values is we nurture relationships. We do not do ministry at the expense of marriage or family or relationships. Relationships come first. So ministry begins at home. Ministry, guys, this is massive. In the church world, in my experience, it tends to be the exception that pastors have beautiful marriages. It tends to be the exception that it is really wonderful and they are loving church and the kids are loving church. It tends like people get hurt and they want, there's hypocrisy because your dad's preaching, but at home, do you know what's happening at home? You know, it's, it's a fake. We cannot be fakes. We cannot fake it. We must be real. And I'm not saying this to, you know, to, to condemn anybody whose marriage has fallen apart or, or, or you're battling, you know, but I'm saying is let's prioritize our marriages and let's fight for our marriages. Let's fight for our relationships. This will blow up if this isn't working. True? Absolutely. You know, so we need to fight for, our, for the hearts of our spouse and for the hearts of our children. This is a non-negotiable core value. We cannot. doesn't matter how many miracles. doesn't matter if Jesus raises the dead. If this doesn't work, it's game over. You know, I was, I was reading through the book of Kings over the last week or two. And he is, the, you know, the story of all the kings. Then this king, and then he was evil. And then his son came, and he was evil. And then the son came, and he was evil. And I'm like, can someone disciple their kids? <laughs> we're, not, we're not fighting for the next year. We're fighting for generations. Our children must go beyond us. But then we must fight for the hearts of our spouse and our children. Amen. So this is our core value. We fight for relation. People are always more important than the vision. People are always more important than the task. Although, yes, we want to see the world change. But we're going to see the world change through healthy marriages and beautiful relationships. Amen. So I had to learn over the years, because this is what happens, you your inside look at how apostolic uh, church groups operate. You normally have a founder, visionaries, like, let's do this. Sheepies, let's go up the mountain, you know. And then you have the pastoral people, like, but pastor, the people getting hurt, and they're tired, and they can't do this anymore. And then the visionary leaders, like, oh, behind the scenes now, these pastoral people. They, oh, they frustrate me. The kingdom must come, but they just want to hold us back. You know, that's actually what happens in unhealthy church groups. The fivefold ministry starts to persecute one another. Because, oh, that one is like that, and that one's too deep, and that one's holding us back. And no, let's do all five. Let's do all five. In other words, I have learned to listen to my wife. That is profound. That is profound. That's why this is a relatively safe church to go to. (laughs) 
But the beautiful thing is over time, so I become more pastoral. I'm like, Sonic, that's a little bit rough on the people. How can you be like that? You know? <laughs> but that's the key. It's like you expose yourself to the different fivefold ministers. You become more like that one and more like that one. You catch that heart of the evangelist. Man, souls, souls, souls. Jesus wants to save people. So if we want to make the bride of Christ beautiful, we need to be prioritized relationships. Always. And, and then there's one thing I also want to add just quickly in here. I, I see this with churches that do well. They look successful. I see this with people that start to move in the supernatural and the power of God and genuine miracles begin to break out. Do you know what unfortunately happens when the character isn't right? They become proud and judgmental. And I see this now. I see people in our church family, pastors who are not gunning for everything that we, we're gunning for in terms of the fullness of the Spirit. And then there are members of their churches that have been somewhere like Bethel or wherever else. And then they come back and they want to preach at the pastor. Everything must change now. This is how we must do things. And they just look judgmental and critical and proud. Do you know what happens to pastors? They shut their hearts down and they say, go away. You know, And if we want to make the bride of Christ beautiful... If we want to influence the wider body of Christ, we must be more gracious, more honoring, more kind, more patient, more loving than your average person. <laughs> Otherwise, they won't receive from us. Because you're just a bunch of arrogant, ooh, miracles, miracles. We don't, we're not interested. Are you hearing me? I don't want us to criticize churches. I don't want us to hear us breaking down churches or preachers or pastors or people. That's not how we roll. That's not how we roll. We are gracious. They are the bride of Christ. Maybe they're not where we are at. Definitely we can still grow a lot and learn a lot, so we've not arrived. But maybe we're a little bit better than that one or that church. Maybe they're sickly. Maybe they're divided. Maybe they're battling. Maybe that pastor's giving is everything and it's battling. Give them grace. Amen. Because otherwise, you know, this is the thing. When, 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 the, when just before I was appointed onto the apostolic leadership team of, of Shofar, I didn't even know I'm going to be on yet or anything. The week before, the Lord spoke to me and said to me, Andre, can I trust you? I think, I think so. But that's been with me. Can I trust you? Are you going to do the same things like the previous leaders did? Are you going to use people for the vision? Are you going to be so busy building your own kingdom that you neglect your family and your, your, your child? Are, are, are you going to do that same stuff where you're trying to build your own ego or your own vision or your own whatever? Or are you truly going to do it for the king of kings? You know, And that's sticking with me. So I'm asking us, can God trust us? With a mighty move of his spirit. Can he trust us to be kind and gracious and honoring to others? Because that's the test. The test isn't when things are going bad. The test is when things actually work. That's the test. And I see a church that nurtures relationships internally, in our homes, and with other churches. The ultimate test is that when God is blessing the church down the road, can we get excited about that? Amen. Sure, I battle with that sometimes, but then I sort out my attitude, and then I start celebrating. 
Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing at that church. Because we are one bride. And it's all for your glory. It's not about us. Jesus, we just want to know you and want to glorify your name. Amen. Praise God. I didn't get to my last point, but I'm just going to mention it. A stands for apostolic mission. Just read this. Matthew 9, 27 to 30. I just want to read it because I'll end with that. It says, When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to him, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. You see, the apostolic anointing, apostolic culture is about Building out faith. Where, where the apostolic anointing is, there's faith. For signs and wonders and miracles for the kingdom of God to come. But he said, according to your faith, let it be to you. And then verse 3, and their eyes were opened and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. I think it was reverse psychology. Because, verse 31, but when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. Can you imagine that? Jesus tells them, don't go tell anybody. Then they go tell everybody. (laughs) I love that. But that for me is overflowing Christ. You can't help yourself. I was blind. Now I see. I was dead. Now I'm alive. Jesus, I owe you. I love you. I'm going to tell everybody. You're not going to be battling to look for evangelists when you were blind and now you see. And so our third core value is the A, apostolic mission. We apply the power of God to see souls saved and set free, unashamedly. That's why we do altar calls. That's why we call people forward because they can encounter Jesus here. We see this so many times. This is a core value. This guides us and leads us. Our God is powerful. And we are trusting Him for His kingdom to come. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.